Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. You know, as the worship team was singing that song in the, in the first service, where they just kept going, oh, I got freedom, oh, I got freedom. I was thinking about Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Like, it ain't no chains binding us down. Ain't none of us sitting in here captive and held hostage. But we serve a God that has rejoiced in giving us liberty. Look at somebody and just say, you're free. Oh, come on. Y'all know I'm a talk to your neighbor type of preacher. Just say you're free in this room. Now look back at somebody and say, act like you're free. I pray you should have went up right there. Just, just saying. It is good to be gathered with the people of God as we begin to worship Jesus from the time we walk in to the time that we walk out. Um, and we do so because he's worthy of our praise. It's Revelation 5 that says, To him that sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be glory and majesty and honor and might forever. That's why we gathered in this room, packing this room like sardines to worship uh, Jesus because he's been faithful and because he has been uh, because he has been good. First of all, it ain't nothing that says community like sharing a seat with somebody. Like you got half one cheek and the cheek on the other one. It's, uh, it, it really is good. It really is good to be, be gathered with you guys. So our first time visitors, thank you for being with us today. And those of you who are online, well, we, we, we certainly, we make, we make a big deal of it that you are here. Um, you know, you didn't have to come to church today. You didn't have to be with us. You didn't have to log on. You, you could have kept scrolling, <clears throat> excuse me, scrolling, but you decided to hang out with us. And so we are, we are deeply grateful. And one thing you should know about us is that we, we genuinely love worshiping Jesus. And we, we do that in a few ways. We do that through worship, through the, through the music and through the singing. And we also do that through the preaching of the word of God, which is my responsibility. So do me a favor. Everybody grab your Bibles, your devices, your laptops, Whatever it is that you have that has the word of God on it, go to the New Testament. Once you get there, go to the book of Luke. We'll be in the Gospels today. We'll be in Luke chapter number seven. Um, quick, quick, quick shout out to those of you who served yesterday at our It's Giving outreach. Man, we are grateful for, um, for each and every one of you. Over 51 people signed up to serve yesterday, to serve our community. We was in the sty heavy yesterday. And we were giving out food and um, grateful for the for the ministry of, of the Amos ministry and uh, being able to be under their leadership yesterday. Um, I really don't want to start naming people, but shout out to Nina. And, and man, let's thank God for Nina. I was getting uh, some jerk salmon from uh, from Simpsons. Y'all need to go check that out. I was getting some jerk salmon yesterday after the outreach. And I came out and there was a group of people that were, you know, all at the outreach that are probably in this room. And um, and we were running across the street. I almost got hit by something. I think you almost hit me running across the street yesterday, running across the street. And I'm like, yo, where y'all going? Is it an after party? And they was like, it actually is at Nina's house. And I'm like, what? And so just to see the community forming, uh, it's not just, for, you know, for, for us, serving is, it, the, the benefit of serving is, is getting to know your brothers and sisters. So we got to do that uh, yesterday. Uh, but also shout out to Brittany. Uh, man, so grateful for Brittany. Where's she at? Is she here? Come on, she's serving again. Y'all give some love for Brittany, y'all. 
man, one of the owners um, of Electric Smoothie, she had the truck out yesterday, and so she was giving out free smoothies and uh, free coffee. And y'all know I love coffee. The coffee was legit. Like, she, she put some love into the coffee uh, and free hot chocolate. And um, also shout out to, to Alyssa uh, for her leadership as well. Just really grateful. Um, and everybody, everybody, I, I've probably left people out. Um, forgive me, but man, we got to partner yesterday with Chick-fil-A and we gave out over 200, 250, 200 chicken sandwiches uh, yesterday and um, partnered with, um, with uh, Greedy Vegan and gave out some food and then partnered with, uh, with Brittany and Electric Smoothie. So shout out to y'all, man. And those of you who served, man, we are grateful. You know, our church genuinely believes that a part of redeeming the city actually means seeking the welfare of the city. You know, it's Jeremiah 29 that says, seek the welfare of the city, for in its welfare you'll find your own welfare. And so what, what we like to do is we like to make sure that we are serving our community because it, um, it is a benefit to the, to, the to, to the beauty of the city, but also a benefit to you, uh, those of you who have trusted in Jesus. Um, so, yeah, shout out to you guys. Hey, real quick, just to throw these dates out there again, I'm just affirming what Gabe has already shared, but we are in the midst of transitioning downstairs, and it's just so much to do that we can't do it overnight, and so we do need a, a little bit of a runway to do so. So as we mentioned, there will only be one service next week. Uh, it will be the 1130 service, uh, and so those of you who are online, we encourage you to guys to come out, and I know you're going, but don't invite nobody else because it's, it's too tight already. I got you. We already, we already took into account that services will be, be collided. And so we're actually going to make more room. Um, you'll see it next week, so I won't share how we're doing it. But we will definitely have more. It won't, we're not knocking down walls in here. We ain't got no more money for that. We, uh, we're going to set up the seats in a way that uh, we, can get, um, we can maximize the space and get more into this, in the space. And I want you guys to come. This isn't like a, a step Sunday, a stepchild Sunday. This is... This is, this is a Sunday that we get to gather with the body of Christ and, um, and worship Jesus. And so that'll be next week and also December 4th. And then somebody say December 9th. Just want to remind you guys that uh, we are transitioning downstairs. As you can tell, we got stuff going on already. But we are, th th this is all being done so that we can get more seats downstairs and double the space. So December 9th will be our building dedication. We intentionally waited. We waited until we were able to get downstairs um, in a space that was conducive for more people, but also conducive for worship. And so next, uh, December 9th, we will be together, not next week, but December 9th, we will be downstairs. We have guests coming. Um, as I told you, my pastor's coming. We have some other local pastors in the area that are coming. And I have a dope surprise. Like, I can't share it, but a real, real, real dope surprise. So you, you really, this ain't the thing that you want to miss. Um, you really do want to be present. Um, it's going to be a great day. And I know we got a lot of, you know, holiday stuff coming up. And last week I shared all the dates that are going to be um, an, a disruption to our, our normal flow and our normal service. But um, if you're confused on any of the dates, you literally can go on to Epiphany, um, uh, epiphanybk.com and you can check out the events page. And everything is already on the events page all the way to the end of the year. So you have all the dates, all the times, service times, cancellations, everything. It's all on the website. All right. All right. Let's get into the word of God. Hey, before I jump in, as I promised uh, Andrea and I see you and Jazz, I, I told them that I would that there are leaders of our work of our um, welcome team. I promised them that I was going to um, encourage the brothers to serve on the welcome team. 
and, and especially on the ninth, which is what they told me, that they need more guys. Uh, they need male presence on that team. Um, you, I don't know if y'all know this, but Andrea actually fasts and prays for men to be on her team. And so you could be the answer to her prayer. You know what I'm saying? She didn't, she didn't turn that plate down for nothing. Um, but seriously, uh, if you could spare some time, if you're looking for a way to jump in and get involved, that could be a good way, a good starter place for you to get involved. Um, and, you know, the way we think about it is, honestly, the gospel, the preaching of the gospel doesn't start when the sermon starts. It starts at the door when you get welcomed. You ever walked in and the person that was welcoming you, maybe not here, I hope not here, but you walked in, it was just real nasty. It disrupts the whole service. I don't want to hear about no worship. I don't want to hear the word. You just kind of sit with your arms folded and your legs crossed. And so the worship, uh, the, the welcome team has the ability to, um, to disarm you and start the prime the pump for the gospel. All right. All right. Let's get into the word of God. We are in Luke chapter seven. I hope you were there. If you were there, if you can just say I'm there, son. Come on, say it like you're from Brooklyn. Say I'm there, son. All right. Pick me up in verse 36. Here's what the word of the Lord says. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city. Let me just pause there for a second. Uh, this phrase is so interesting, <laughs> interesting to me uh, because we, we know if you cross-reference uh, scripture and even at the end of this scripture, you can kind of get let in. It's not just going to say a woman of the city, but it says a woman of the city. And then it goes on to say who was a sinner. Uh, th this is almost urban slang for she's a prostitute. And it's almost like, you know, how we would say, yo, she, she in the streets. She in them streets. That's what, that's what the word of God is saying today. <laughs> Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that, she was that, that he was, Jesus was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster uh, flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this was that was touching him for she is a sinner. Verse 40. Now, here's what's interesting. That's what the Pharisee is thinking. He didn't audibly say that. Jesus understood what he was thinking and literally doesn't even speak to him, but he turns to Simon Peter. Verse 40, and Jesus answering him said, Simon, I have something to say to you. I love Simon's response. Say it, teacher. Verse 41, a certain money lender had two debtors, debtors. One of them had 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, let me pause there. Please underline that. Please highlight that. Please take that note if you're taking notes. It is so imperative that you get that, that those five words. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon Peter answered, the one I suppose of whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Jump down to verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, a little bit lengthy topic, but the topic entitled, Canceled Debt Should Breed Gratitude. 
canceled debt should breed gratitude. As we're about to enter into a, to a week of Thanksgiving and uh, a week that culture will say, this is the week you should be grateful in. Uh, I would say the believer has something to be grateful for 24-7, 365 days of the year. And that's because Jesus has canceled the record of debt that stood against us. And so as we enter into this week, I, I really want to help us to understand where gratitude should come from and how, should we, how we should respond to the very gospel that most of us in this room believe in. Amen. Let's look to the Lord. Father, I am amazed, absolutely amazed that each week you meet us. I think sometimes we can take for granted that you speak to us. But Lord, I'm grateful in this room. I'm grateful and I pray that we would be a grateful church in this room. That every time we come in here, we can open up your word and not being, not for fear of persecution or we got a distraction-free environment that we can hear and sit from your word, Lord. And your word is infallible. It, it, it is unchanging. It has the ability to do spiritual surgery on our hearts and transform us and change our thinking. And so, Father, may the gospel go forth today. And may it accomplish exactly what it said it would. Save somebody in this room today. Transform someone's behavior today for your glory and for your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Canceled debt should breed gratitude. I think y'all have backed me up on this. One of the most confusing and probably frustrating as well, but one of the most confusing times is when you go out to eat with a group of friends. And when you go out to eat with a group of friends and y'all having fun and y'all eating and y'all, you know, y'all getting all appetizers, y'all getting everything, y'all are just enjoying the food and the restaurant's right and the ambiance is right. It's just a good evening. The confusing part is when the bill comes. Y'all know when the bill comes, there's a few things that are happening at the table. There's one person that's going to grab the bill, and they're going to grab their phone, and they're going you know, to do that tally, and they're going to divide that thing. You know, we're going to split the bill just evenly. We're going to just do four. And then, you know, that's, that's one thing that's happening. The other thing is somebody across the table is usually looking, and they're going, she better be putting in more because she had an appetizer, and I ain't have an appetizer. Y'all know we do it, right? We'd be like, I don't even drink, and he had two drinks. You know, we, we, we have all of these things that are going on at the table because it, it is confusing when it comes time to pay the debt. I was, in, uh, I was in Pittsburgh with my pastor. This was years ago. This is when he wrote his first book, Manhood Restored. And we went to a, a conference that he was preaching at. And so I was just kind of accompanying him. And we had time before the conference. And so we went to a, to a restaurant down the street from the hotel. And we're sitting there eating and enjoying and talking. And apparently somebody in the resta restaurant read his book, recognized him, but didn't want to come up and say anything because he was eating. And so he literally pays the bill and walks out. We still don't know who it was. And so we go to pay the bill and the waitress comes and says, there was a young gentleman in here that said he read your book and it was so impactful that he just wanted to pay it forward and he paid your bill. Yeah, we went up in worship at the table at that moment. There, there was another time when, when I was living in Philly and I went to a Starbucks and I, I was in the drive-thru and I order my, you know, my, my stuff and then I get up to and I don't play with my coffee. So I, I want it right and I want it piping hot. And so I, as soon as I get ordered, I want to go right to the barista and, and get it. And I get up there and the barista gives me my, my coffee. I pull up my car and she says, oh, the person in the car before you just wanted to be generous. And they, they paid for your, your coffee already today. There was another time, and I've shared this one with you guys, but there was another time when I was graduating from... Karen, now known as Karen University. Uh, back then it was Philadelphia Biblical University. And, you know, before you graduate, the school will make, you, make sure you settle that, that some, of the, some of that debt. 
And so I'm not talking about the loans that, that you got to pay to Sally Mae, that heifer. She, she don't know Jesus. She not saved, I'm telling y'all. I'm telling y'all she not. But I go, I go down to the office and, and I try to settle, hey, what, what would it take for me to get my cap and gown? And there was just some stuff, that, some books that I had, you know, loaned out and I just didn't, didn't get around to paying them. It was just some things that I, I owed. But the amount was significant enough that I couldn't pay it at the time. And I'm, I'm sad about it because I'm like, man, I, I want my cap and gown. I want to get my name on this list because I want to graduate. And I went home and talked to Ty about it. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up a payment plan. So I go back to the office to set up a payment plan. And when I get to the office, there was a ministry. And it was anonymous. I still don't know who it is. There was a ministry that all they do is when they get a surplus, they go to Bible colleges and they pay off the debt that's on, that, that's on the record. And so I get there to pay off my debt, at least pay something on it. And the girl at the register said, oh, you have a zero balance. I immediately started speaking in tongues. I mean, right, right away. Didn't even wait till I got home. I mean, somebody paid. There is nothing more joyous than receiving the kindness of somebody in the form of canceled debt. I need somebody that, that, that will understand what I'm saying. Think about the debt that you have right now, the financial debt you have right now. What if somebody just came in and wiped it out? Oh, yeah. I see that praise. On the way to the bathroom praise. But let me tell you something. Let me go deeper because we rejoice and the room lit up when I said, what if somebody canceled your financial debt? But what if somebody canceled your spiritual debt? Would we have the same type of praise? And my, my job this morning, honestly, is not to talk about co coffee being, you know, the, the, the canceled debt of coffee or, or a restaurant bill or even my student loans. I, I'm talking about, I want to talk about what does it mean when God cancels the record of debt that stood against us? And the question is, how does he do it? And then underneath that, I want to know what type of joy do you have? And what kind of response do you have to God when he cancels that debt? Now, in the passage before us in Luke chapter 7, um, I read for context from 36 on, but I'm really only going to deal with really like 41, 42, maybe 43 and 47. And which is the parable. This is one of the shortest parables in, in the New Testament. This parable literally is only two verses. And in the parable, Jesus gives us three different characters. Now, please lean in and don't miss this. The three characters is, is imperative that we understand who they are because I don't want you to walk out of here and misplace who you are in the story. Because that is exactly what we do when we read the scriptures. Y'all know what we do. We don't like to look at ourselves in a negative aspect. So we always put ourselves in the best light possible. And so we always want to put ourselves as the hero of the text. But oftentimes, I would say 99.9% .9 of the times, whenever you read the scriptures, especially stories and, 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 and these parables, one of the things you will often have to do is realize that you are the damsel in distress. You are not the hero. Jesus it's always the hero. We do it with stories like the Good Samaritan, found a few chapters later in Luke chapter 10. The Bible talks about how this man was walking down from, from Jericho to, to Jerusalem. And as he's walking down, he falls amongst some robbers and, and thieves. And the Bible says that they, they rob him and they beat him so bad they left him half dead sitting in a ditch. And after he's sitting there half dead and after he's been robbed, there, there comes a priest. And he walks by and he sees the man laying in the ditch half dead and he crosses to the other side. 
And the Bible says that there comes a Levite, a musician, and he was walking down and he sees the, 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 the man in the ditch and he gets to the other side and he keeps going. Then the Bible says that there's this good Samaritan, unnamed character, and he's walking by and he sees the man in the ditch. But this one is different. He stops. And the Bible says he binds up his wounds. He takes them to an end and he says something that I think is a bit of typology. He literally says, whatever debt he accrues, put it on your boy. Now, what we do is we read that and we immediately think that we are the good Samaritan. It is no way I would walk by the man in the ditch. Somebody can close that door for me. It is no way that I would walk by the man in the ditch. It's no, I'm going to stop and I'm going to bind up his wounds. But in reality, you're not the good Samaritan. In reality, do you know who you are in the story? Y'all looking over there. Still look here. The reality is, you know who you are in the story? You're the man in the ditch. And Jesus is always the one that comes and binds up our wounds and helps us to heal and then goes and puts us in an inn and says, whatever debt he accrues, put it on me. That is what Jesus does. So in the text, in, in, in Luke 10, it is Jesus that's the good Samaritan. And you and I are the damsel in distress. Y'all know we do it with David and Goliath, too. With David and Goliath, we, always, we write songs about it. Giants do die. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And we rejoice and we be like, I'm David and I'm slaying my giants. I'm David. But you know you're not David in the text. There's a third character in that text. There's David and then there's Goliath and then there's Israel. Because the Bible says before David steps up, when he was bringing lunch for his brothers, the Bible says that all of Israel was shaken. And why were they shaking? Shaking Because there was a giant that nobody in Israel could defeat. But there came one out of Israel that said, oh, I, I can defeat. The, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the army of the Lord? And the Bible says that he kills Goliath. Do you know who we are in that passage? You are not David. You are not Goliath. You are Israel shaking in your boots. And do you know who Goliath is? Goliath is sin. Because we cannot beat sin by ourselves. You know who David is in the story? Jesus Christ, who steps up and defeats sin on your behalf. And you get to sing songs like, oh, I got freedom. And you only sing that because David has slayed giant. Jesus has slayed the giant on your behalf. And so don't get it twisted who you are in the passage. In this passage, there's three characters. There is a money lender or a creditor. I think we can all agree if anybody's loaning out money, it's God. So in the text, this money lender is a representation of who God is. There's two people that are in debt. Now, for context purposes, I, I, would, I would think that it's the woman of the city, the prostitute, the, the, the sinner is what the text calls her. It calls her that in, 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 in verse number 36 or 37, and then it calls her it again in verse 47. It defines that she is a sinner. In fact, it doesn't just say she is a sinner. It says she has much sin. So I think she's the woman that has the 500 denarii that is owed to the money lender. And then there's one that owes 50. I would say that that's Peter because Peter's the only person, other person named in this passage. Either way, two people are in debt and there is one money lender. And I want you to understand that all of us in this room are the ones in debt. You're not the money lender. And what I love about the story is it's very consistent with those of us in this room because these two who are in debt have two different levels of debt. The Bible says one owes 500 denarii and the other one owes 50 denarii. It's the same thing in the room. We all enter into this thing called the kingdom with different levels of sin. Okay, let me, let me work here. Some of us have a bachelor's degree in sin. 
And some of us got a PhD. And some of y'all are still working on the dissertation. Because all of us enter into this thing called salvation with sin. None of us are sinless. Only Jesus walked this earth and was sinless. So we all got sin, but some of us got 500 denarii that we owe, and some of us got 50. And the worst thing you can do is be the one that has 50 and be like, I got less. Oh, y'all know we want to enter the kingdom based on comparison. We look at that ghetto neighbor and we be like, yo, she don't know Jesus. God's going to accept me as though God accepts you because you're better than your uncle that's drunk. God doesn't accept you because of comparison. Listen, you can't pay the debt. They both owe a debt. So it doesn't matter if I owe 50 and it doesn't matter if you owe 500 because the 51 couldn't pay either. And so the Bible says that these two, these two have a debt that cannot be settled. So now that we got the characters right, let's dig into the text just a little bit. Look at verse 41. A certain money lender, that's God, had two debtors, debtors, that's us. One who owed 500 denarii and the other one owed 50. I told you to underline these next five words. When they could not pay. It is very clear to me, and I think what Jesus is highlighting is the certainty of the creditor and the money lender coming after us to settle that debt. Let me say it a different way. It is very clear to me that the money lender didn't give them a gift. It's a loan. In other words, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be looking to settle the debt. There is going to be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day where I'm going to ask you, where's the money that I gave you? And I expect that you will be able to give that money back. And so it is with God. There, you, you know, many of us live life as though we'll never uh, settle the debt with God. But do you know on Judgment Day, that is, that is debt settling day. On Judgment Day, everybody in this room will have to stand before God. And some of us live life as though we'll never stand before him. So some, some, of, some of us go through life and we, we, we are not cognizant of the fact that one day we are going to have to give an account for every word we've said, every decision we've made, the life we've lived. And I'm not saying that is what it makes you enter into heaven. You are entering through Jesus and Jesus alone. But don't you think your behavior don't matter? Yeah. Oh, your, your behavior matters. So on judgment day, God will be looking to settle the debt. Let me put Bible here. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10. For we must, I love this word, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. It is very clear that one day we'll stand before God. And here's the worst thing. Many of us, we put it off as though we got time. But if I understand, if I got my eschatology right, Here's what I do understand. God can crack that sky and that, hump, that, that trumpet can, can blow before we leave out of this building. God can come back at any moment. This is why the Bible says no man knows the day, nor the hour. Don't you ever believe somebody that be like he's coming back on May 21st? Don't you believe these conspiracy theories? God comes back on, in his own prerogative. Whenever he's ready to come back, this is why even Jesus, they waited and waited and waited for the coming of Jesus 400 years of so-called silence. And the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent his son. He moves at his own pace. And so one day he is coming back and we live life as though we got time and we live life as though, you know, we'll never stand before God. But the reality is every single one of us will have to stand before God. And here's the worst part. You'll stand before God and you can't pay the debt. Yeah. 
you'll stand before God and whatever it is that God is looking to settle, which, by the way, he's looking for perfection. So if you're coming to the table with good, we're crushed. He wants perfection. And so when he comes to settle the debt, we ain't got the money to pay. In fact, look at the way the verse says it. It says it in verse 42. And when they could not pay, one of them owed 500 denarii. That is at least a year and a half's worth of wages. The other one owes 50 denarii. That's at least two months worth of wages. But don't matter the, 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 the amount, neither one of them could pay. And so the Bible says there's only one thing that the debtor could do. The money lender either is going to crush them or he's going to be gracious. The rest of the text literally says in verse number 42, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both of them. Do you realize that I, sometimes when we read stories like this, we, we think of this lofty, you know, like think of your debt. Think of your sin. That sin, the Bible just said, he can cancel it like that. Your debt is uncalculable, it, it, it's unfathomable, uh, you can't pay it, it's, it's unpayable, it is an amount that you can't work off. And so what I'm trying to get you to understand is that real gratitude, as we talk about gratitude, starts with you realizing that you can't pay the debt. See, sometimes we think that gratitude starts when the debt is paid. My gratitude, when I sat inside of Karen University and had my debt uh, forgiven, my gratitude wasn't that the person paid it. My gratitude was that they paid it and I couldn't pay it because I would have less gratitude if I actually could pay it myself. I was like, oh, they hooked me up. That, that was nice. But, you know, I, I actually really had it. I didn't have it. And so what made me worship was the fact that I didn't have it. So real gratitude starts with you realizing that you don't have the money. Those whose sins are pardoned must first be brought to the realization that you can't pay the debt. Look at somebody and just say, you can't, you can't pay it. Come on, look at somebody else and say, outside of Jesus, you're spiritually broke. You can't pay it. We needed somebody to handle the debt for us. We, we needed someone from the outside that had perfection, that could actually settle the very wrath of God with perfection. We, we, needed, we needed that thing from the outside. It's called imputed righteousness. That's what it is. And you know, it's really double imputation, double, double, uh, double uh, imputation because we receive the righteousness of Christ, but you know what he received from you? Your sin. Okay, he received your debt. And so what he does is he says here, I'm going to cancel the debt of both. And he doesn't give them extra time. He doesn't put them on some payment plan. He does not put them on a divine Klarna or afterpay. He, he doesn't say, you know, these next four payments, you could probably pay this thing off. He, do, he doesn't do any of that. He looks at them and says, forgiven. Debt canceled. And by the way, I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this, but some of you got too many afterpays. I, some of y'all are in, in, in Clarna jail. I got an email that one of my, one of my, uh, what, you know, one of my payments is coming up. And my mind, I'm going, I just paid it. And let me just say, it's nothing wrong with afterpay and, and the firm and the Clarna. And those, in fact, I think uh, all of those uh, afterpays, they, they actually can help you. You know, you're not accruing any debt if you pay it. But, you know, some of us at Ghetto, we get, the, we, get the, we get the product, and we'll be like, I made one payment. Cancel the rest of the payments. It's so ghetto. Don't, don't do that. And some of us got six or seven payments hitting on the same day. Klarna jail. Anybody else in Klarna jail besides me? Am I the only one? A few of us? I see you. Pay that debt off. Go ahead and pay it. 
So the Bible says he does not put them on some type of payment plan. That this isn't, you know, I'm going to hook you up now and then you can pay me back later. He literally cancels the debt, meaning the one who owed 500 owed zero. The one who owed 50 owed zero because Jesus cancels the debt. And don't misunderstand the cancellation of your spiritual debt. The cancellation of your spiritual debt doesn't mean that the debt wasn't paid. It just means you didn't pay it. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't mean when God says forgiven, it doesn't mean that he sweeps your sin under the rug. Because if he sweeps your sin under the rug, can we agree he's an unjust God? He's not holy. If a holy God can let you in heaven without your sins being paid for, he ain't that holy. But God doesn't let you in heaven without your sins being paid for. Your sins were paid for. You didn't pay for it. And so the cancellation of your debt doesn't mean it's not there. It means it costs God. It's free to you. And this is why it, what baffles me. This is what baffles me, Diana, that we sit in here. And we go, oh, I got freedom. And I'm like, do you know what it costs to get that freedom? Do you know what God had to sacrifice? He had to give up his one and only son. Do you know what Jesus had to sacrifice? He had to be at the mercy of people that he created. And we sitting here so casually go, oh, I got freedom. I've been free. I've been set free from bondage. You want to worship a Jesus that knows how to set you free. And this is, this, this is what I mean when I say I owe the debt, but Jesus paid it. That I literally could have, I could have read this text, said that little line, and sat down. And we should have rejoiced. I owe the debt. Jesus paid it. Can somebody just say that with me? Say, I owe the debt. But it's Jesus that paid it. And here's the thing about Jesus paying it. When he pays it, he doesn't pay it partially. Like, Jesus don't even do Klarna. Like, Jesus doesn't look at you and be like, yo, I only got enough blood for 90% of your sins. You know how doomed we would be? He looks at you and be like, forgiven 100%. He's not sitting there at the table pulling out the calculator. He's not asking, you know how we do, I'll pay the bill, but you pay the tip. He ain't doing none of that. He ain't being like, pay me back later. He is literally like, forgiven, debt canceled, it's done with, it's finished, to tell us that I have paid the debt. Can we worship a God that knows how to pay debt? It's a debt-paying God that we serve. And so the debt has been paid. As we're about to enter into a new year in a, in a, in a month and some change, some of you don't know Jesus. You, you, don't, you don't know him in the pardon of your sin. You have never trusted in giving your life over to Jesus. Don't you go into a new year with that weight. Don't you go into a new year with that debt. Don't you go into a new year with that burden. And here's the thing about the debt. You don't got to set up an appointment to get your debt canceled. He can cancel it by just trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ and submitting your life to him. So send, send in the text, send the, the, the debt in the text. I want to be clear because some of us read this debt and we, it still hasn't hit home for us. The debt is sin. Be, be clear about this. The debt, Jesus sandwiches this parable in between Two, two statements about sin. When he talked about the woman in the city, he says, she's a sinner. He ends it at the end and he says, she's a sinner. He, he says it much, uh, two times, she has much sin. And so I don't, I don't want us to get it twisted. When the Bible talks about debt, spiritual debt, it is talking about sin. It don't only do it here, but it does it in, the, the, in, the, uh, in Matthew chapter 6. 
where, where Jesus was, was teaching the boys how to pray. And what does he say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, our trespasses is sin. Some translations say forgive us our debt. Why, why, why does he make that connection? Because debt and sin are synonymous in the text. What about Colossians chapter 2? We literally got this on t-shirts when we baptized. Colossians chapter 2 literally says, And you were dead in the trespasses of your uh, uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. And so he doesn't only give a parable about how he cancels debt. Paul picks up the pen in Colossians and says, The God that you serve knows how to cancel your debt. And so this analogy is, is so applicable with us in this room that he wiped the slate clean, that he cleared out the debt. That, and and that, that should breed worship. That should breed adoration. That should breed gratitude. That should be breed praise. And this is why, man, we can't come in here and look at people when they really worship it. We can't look at people and be like, oh, man, she's doing too much. Do you know what she's been forgiven for? Then shut your mouth. Because God knows how to forgive sins, and i got to rejoice because he forgave me. In fact, we're going to deal with that before we get out of here. Look at the question Jesus asked to Peter. He says here in verse number 43, he says, when he canceled the debt, now, Peter, which one of them will love me more, will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, of whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Jump down to verse 47. Therefore, I tell you. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. I love this question. Jesus is like, look, I just gave a parable. One of them owe 500, one of them owe 50. Which one do you think is going to love me more if I cancel the debt? Peter's like, the one who owed 500, clearly. He owed a bigger amount. He's going to love you more. He's going to rejoice more. He's going to worship more. He's going to be radical more. He's going to tell others about you more. Why? Because you forgave him for much. Here's what Jesus literally does in the text. He gives you permission. He says, if you, didn't, if you aren't forgiven for much, you don't have to rejoice much. But if you have been brought by the blood of the lamb, if you have been redeemed from the depth of the pit of hell, you ought to rejoice much. Because that's what the text just say, said. In fact, he says in verse number 47, he says, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And so honestly, Jesus literally gives you a pass to go, oh, I got freedom if you haven't been forgiven. If you ain't been forgiven for much, if you ain't got much sin that you bring in. But then, then there's another group of us that we know we bring a whole lot of sin to the table. We got stuff that we did that nobody know about. We got stuff that we did that we couldn't even tell the body about because we're so embarrassed by it. We got stuff that we did that we look back on and we're like, ugh, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I got caught up in that. And Jesus literally says, forgiven. And if you are forgiven, he's like, then you ought to love me a little bit more. You, 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 ought, to, you ought to worship me a little bit more. If I broke a habit in your life, you better worship me. If I broke a stronghold in your life, you better worship me. If I pulled you out of some deep sin, you better worship me. If I brought you out of the pit of hell, you better worship me. And this is why I believe in charismatic church. Charismatic meaning, of course, I believe in the gifts of the spirit. I believe that they should flow in order. But I also believe in expressive worship in order. I don't believe we should be running around here foaming at the mouth, bam, slapping into each other. I think we'll have to call a little order to that. 
But I also don't believe that we should stand still when we've been forgiven for much because he who is forgiven for much loves much and worships much. And so the text literally says that this woman that he said at the top of the at verse 37 that she is a sinner, that she's a woman of the city. I expect that she's going to love me a little bit more than anybody else that doesn't have the same amount of sin. In fact, her love for Jesus caused her to be sacrificial. Here's what the text says. I'm, I'm back now. Let me, I'm jumping around. I'm back in 37. He says, when she, the, the woman of the city, learned that he was reclining at the table with a, at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster, a alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her hair, with her tears, and wiped them with her hair on her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Her gratitude literally led her to be sacrificial. Notice several things about this woman. First of all, her sin was great and it didn't cause her to run from Jesus, but it caused her to press into Jesus. But not only did she press into Jesus, she thought that Jesus was worthy of the most valuable possession that she had. And so she gave him an expensive perfume. In fact, that there's another perfume that's talked about in John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, the Bible says that she has pure nard. And pure nard is probably imported from Nepal. In fact, Judas gives us the amount. That's the one good thing he did in the text. Here's what Judas says. Judas says, why was this not sold for 300 denarii? That's about $50,000 in today's money. One bottle of perfume. She empties $50,000 out on the feet of Jesus Christ. And you know why she did it? Because she loved much. You know why she loved much? Because she was forgiven much. What is an expensive bottle of perfume when my sins have been forgiven? I'll pour 10 bottles out because Jesus is worthy. And that's my question. Is he that worthy in your life? And I don't want you just to respond by a yes today. I want you to actually be contemplative. And what do I mean? How sacrificial are you to Jesus and he has forgiven you? Do you give him time or is he an afterthought? Do you give him time in prayer or do you sprinkle a quick prayer as you're on the train? Do you spend time in your word or do you just only open up your word on Sunday mornings? If you have been forgiven for much, you ought to pour that, pour that expensive bottle of perfume out on Jesus' feet. And let me tell you something about it. He's worthy of it. Like, He's worthy of that and more. The, all that you have, if you emptied it out on Jesus right now, it still isn't, it still isn't enough for what he has given you. This is why the old saints used to say you can't beat God's giving. You can give, 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 give until you are broke, until you are spent, until you are blue in the face and you still ain't give what Jesus gave. He gave his blood. He gave something that nobody else would ever give. And so, the text in verse 47 says, well, she loved much. Why she loved much? Because she was forgiven for much. This is, this is what I would call expressive worship. You know, last week we were in here and I, I, could, I could feel it in the room. When, when we were, you know, we, we, when the worship was going and, and, and we, we, were, we were ready to worship God. You know, some of y'all sitting in here was going, oh, they doing too much. This is what we doing. I thought we were a theological church. I thought we were astute. I thought we just open up our words and we're like robots and we read on the screen. Do you know Jesus is worthy of much more than you sitting worshiping by reading on the screen? You know, he's much more worthy than us sitting here parsing Greek. I want to give him 
everything in me. Here, here's why I want to do that, because Psalm 150 will say it this way. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him with the trumpets. Praise him with the harp. Praise him with the tambourine. Praise him, here it is, with the dance. Praise him with the string instruments. Praise him with the pipes. Praise him with the cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let's just do a test. If you got breath in your body and God has delivered you, I need us to go up in a praise right there. Come on, give God a praise in this room. Oh, you ain't been forgiven for much. You still sin. You still quiet. But Jesus has ransomed you. He's redeemed you. He has set you free. Open up your mouth in this room. Give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah. 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 You know, worshiping because we don't like people looking at us. I'm embarrassed. What if they catch me on a live stream? So? I want the world to see me. I want the world to see me ugly cry. I want the world to see me dance. I want the world to see me go crazy because Jesus has been radical by dying for me. So therefore, I can be radical by dying for him. Hang on for a second. You know what, you, you know what really it makes me big mad? You know what frustrates me? Here's what frustrates me the most. The same people that look around going, it's no, I ain't doing that, are the same people that go crazy at a sport event. You hit, you hit on them fresh J's and you hit that lotto, you go crazy. You post about it. You talk about it. You tell me, y'all, you see these? You walk like this so you don't put a crease in them. And we go crazy over that stuff. If one of y'all would have hit that lotto, I'm talking about that, that big pot. Y'all would have went crazy in worship. You know at a sports event, that is worship. That, that's, oh, that's a worship service. You just worshiping a 20-year-old carrying a football. But I choose to worship one that died for my sins. And I don't care what you think. Because Jesus has died for me. Who has he canceled the record of debt that stood against him? And we ought to rejoice and worship this Jesus in this room because he's faithful. Father, I pray for everybody in the room. Forgive us. Forgive us, oh God, for not worshiping you and giving you full adoration as you deserve. We don't even have enough to give you. Forgive us, God. But I know you say things like, if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. Because you're going to get your praise. Because you deserve it. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that we would be people that gather in here and yet we get fueled up to worship you. But, Father, when we leave out of here, that we would be people that continue to worship. Worship ain't a song. Worship is a lifestyle. And so, Lord, would you help us to realize that when we make the right decisions, it's worship. When we give, it's worship. When we serve, it's worship. When we sing, it's worship. Let everything that we do worship you because you're worthy of the praise. And Father, I pray for the one that doesn't know you. And the debt has not been forgiven. But the debt remains. I pray that they would be freed up today. That they would give their life to you and that they would come running saying, oh, what must I do to be saved? 
and then put people in place that can walk them through. This is the gospel. Do you believe in that? Debt cancel. Thank you, oh God, for the work of salvation. And I pray, oh God, that this, this wouldn't be a museum. I pray, oh God, that this wouldn't be a morgue. But this would be the place where we come in and worship you. Because you're worthy of the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.